Hello and welcome to the final episode in our lockdown series of the Women Who Sport podcast. We'd like to thank a couple of people who have helped us set up the podcast, so that's Virtual Wealth, an insurance company based in Edinburgh, Sharon Martin, who's letting us use her song Get Old Daughter of Scotland in the podcast, you can find that on Apple Music and Spotify, and to Badge of Shame Clothing Company, who have done our artwork. This is the last episode within our lockdown series and today we're joined by Kirsty Law, Scottish number one discus thrower and Jade Lally, English number one. Both have had Commonwealth success and are looking to add to their notable careers by seeking Olympic qualification. Jade already having won Olympic Games under her belt is looking to add to this just one year after becoming a mum. Right, okay, well we'll get started with the questions, so it'll probably take like 45 minutes or so. Kirsty's got absolutely nothing else to do today, so she's fine. Hey, I've got Zelda to play. I knew it was going to be Zelda, that's the only thing you've got going on in your life right now. (laughs) Here, also Jade, we've just bought you some uh, time out from parenting as well, so we should be thankful. I cherish every moment with my child. I feel like I've been (laughs) torn away. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right okay so we've done the introductions we kind of like pre-record those um well that song before, before you come on with yeah sharon martin that song does it not give you goosebumps great it's brilliant it's, oh good isn't it? sorry jane only if you're scottish you probably understand about. yeah you yeah. probably get it i'm out of the loop you, that's all right don't get get racism there but that's okay i accept you're, you're the old enemy <laughs> so talking of enemies are uh, obviously trained together. It's quite an unlikely training combination, if you ask any Scott. So, how does that work out? And Kirsty, how does it feel training with the enemy? Well, yeah, she's so much of an enemy. She's outside my house getting my Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the literally the best thing me and Jade did was start training together. It happened what about three years ago? Yeah, it's about three years ago. Um, I feel like we push each other in the gym. We're quite similar on weights wise. Not in weight, <laughs> are we? Jumping. Well, not in weight, you're heavier so, than Some me, of yeah. us, yeah, so I've got more, I'm very dense, you see, yeah. very muscly. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah but there's a, a hefty six pack going on post-pregnancy. Oh, that's all good lighting. I'm telling you, when I got out of the shower this morning, I was like, why is it wobbling like that? And I remembered that is the real me and the lighting <laughs> is the one that I post to let people know that in good lighting, this is available, or this is this is achievable. <laughs> that's that's I, that situation. I, I haven't found a good lighting picture yet. No, me neither. I think I need a good <laughs> dose of bronzer as well. Yeah, definitely. All the contouring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Oh yeah, so yeah, I think, I feel like we uh, push each other on. It's good to have, Jade, I mean, me and Jade have been friends for 15 years now. Makes She's sound it. old, but yeah, basically. Yeah, well, yeah, we are old. Um, she was a bridesmaid at my wedding. Yeah, we... Uh, I think that's the only yeah. English person, but that's all right, I accept. Well, <laughs> <laughs> comps-wise, it's really good to be together, because we've only been really training together this last year, 
since Jade moved to Loughborough um, after having her um, beautiful Nyla. Yes, pushing that lump out. Yeah. <laughs> to train with Zane, who's both who's now our, both our coach. So yeah, I think um, the best thing we did was train start training together. So I don't I don't see her as an enemy. I see her as a friend. It's a healthy good rivalry. friends. Good friends. Friendly banter, and we're both not easily offended, Always. so it helps. No, not at all. <laughs> you you probably need that to get you through like your winter training season because that is a big slog, isn't it? Yeah, well, it is for us because we don't have a, an outdoor season in the winter time, so it's just rubbish times. Mm. <laughs> it's just a whole heap of suffering, and uh, yeah, that that's that's our only competitive. I'd say every lifting session, if one of us is you know, miles above the other person, the other person is like, right, you did this last week, we push on, we push on, and that, that happens every session, every week, every month, until we get to competition season, then we're like, right, now we properly go head-to-head. But yeah. I think, even though we do go head-to-head, and both of us want to beat each other, if we can help the other person, we can't, like, if, if one of us forgot our shoes, we would try and help out the other person by lending their shoes we wouldn't just like sit there and say sucker we would we would try and help out as much as we can why why are you looking like this why why have you got such a frown no i i this is exactly me and rona rona for internationals <laughs> turns up without a pair of boots and luckily yeah. we're similar size so <laughs> i've got the girls back <laughs> yeah there you go that's exactly our situation yeah Sometimes when I dress like a girl, which doesn't happen very often, that's where I come to Kirsty. Kirsty's always lending me shoes, so that's, yeah, that's where she got, definitely helps. We've actually got the feet. same size feet. Like, we're both a size nine and a half. So, I mean, it's match made in heaven. Yep. <laughs> I've got all the heels, which you use a lot. So I'm the man of our relationship. Girls. Yeah, yeah, we are, yeah. And I don't own heels. Bonner, I would not be lending you heels. I can't return the favour that way. <laughs> uh, so for you guys then, you compete over the summer and then is the rest of the year, that's all pre-season for Froze? Yes, we basically do a whole heap of pre-stuff. So we go into the heavy slog, which is straight after the season. So let's say our season ends in September, October, November, December is all like the heavy stuff. Um, January, we're everyone's fed up with everything by that point um and then we start going into a little bit more of a strength so a strength cycle maybe and then from that we then go into the power and then we start becoming a little bit more snappy but we literally don't get competition ready until about april time and then that april time is when we're actually out there when we were going we're supposed to go to america this year to california and uh, april would have been the time that we did that and that's the time when we start showing our competitive fitness Although we'd still be rusty at that point, we should be physically in a good place. It's just trying to tidy things up, which wouldn't happen until mid-season when the major would be on, i.e. Olympics. Although we, we did start competing early this year, so we got one, one or two crops out. We started competing February. Uh, February. Loughborough put on a, a winter uh, throws competition uh, every year, so it, it gives us a chance to show our... Um, where we're at to see if we can um, qualify to go to the European winter throws, which are which were in Portugal this year. So that's always nice to do. But obviously this year got cancelled. With this year in, in your kind of training prep ahead of such a big year, how has the kind of lockdown and pandemic affected it 
um, is it been more of a, a mental battle in terms of refocusing or have you kind of just acclimatised to the change quite well and adapted? We've got completely different experiences in terms of what we were like readiness wise for this year so Kirsty started off really well so I'll let you tell your story Kirsty because you started off the year brilliantly. Well for me uh, like Jade said I think it was a bit different because I felt like I was in really good I've been in the best shape of my life coming into this year um, so I feel like I was ready to PB and throw something decent for me um, and then like in in February at the winter throws I threw uh, I think it was 56 something um, and we didn't have the best lead up going into that but um, yeah for me I was a bit gutted that obviously the season has been put on hold or uh, cancelled whatever is going to happen but obviously it had to be done I've set up my gym in the back garden so I haven't really lost anything I've just adapted my me and my coach have adapted my program so I can do what I actually have. Drills-wise, we've got wood in my back garden. Now we can actually go to a, a, a field and throw from concrete. But um, no, for me, I think the first week, um, because we didn't have anywhere to throw or anything, I think it was a bit tough. But after that, um, it's, it's been okay for me. I've, I'm quite happy with what we're doing and where we're going now. Have you already qualified for the Olympics or was that due to come this season? That was due to come this season. Although you could qualify last year, which I didn't do. Um, but this year uh, was the main focus for me to throw far. Like that's why we go to America because they focus more on the throws and you can pick and choose the circle to go with the wind because uh, we chase winds being discus throwers. <laughs> so yeah, I thought I thought I was in a good place going into this season and hopefully going to throw, throw it or get as close to it as I can. And do you have to go to a certain competition to qualify or do you just simply have to hit a, a distance? To get automatic qualified, you can throw the distance at a, a grade three comp or above and then come top two at trials, which were set for July. But obviously that's not happening now. So... Yeah. Um, yeah, the Olympic qualification is closed just now and doesn't reopen till December. Um, so anything we do doesn't count. But the British champs have actually been... So I think they're just the British champs now. Instead of the Olympic trials, they've been rescheduled for August. First weekend in August, if that still happens. But yeah, Some, yeah we have to like the standard anywhere and then uh, come talk to your trials and that guarantees your place. If that the British champs goes ahead in August, that could be your first opportunity to qualify. No, Qualifi qualification for the Olympics is stopped until suspended. December now. Suspended, yeah. With you. Yeah, so it, it could be an opportunity for a PB or... Uh, See kind I of what form you're in and things like that. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. we're training as if we're going to be ready for any time. So we'll, we'll be ready, both of us will. Are any of you like worried about that being quite a long time? So it's obviously over a year away. Have you got scheduled break and rest time or is the plan to just keep going right the way through? 
there will be so our program runs on four week cycles and we have a deload week so every i think it's the first week of every cycle is a little bit less volume and less intensity than the, the following three weeks and um, that's kind of our recovering period uh, and then we have if our body needs it or if it's just naturally the end of the season that's when we'd have a normal sort of maybe a two-week just time off um when the olympics got postponed officially kirsty and some other members of the group um had a, a physical break from training i didn't because i was still coming back from um the, the delights of childbirth so i still had a lot of work to do um, so I didn't have a break, but th I'm sure there will be a break in between, you know, today and uh, when we start properly ramping things up again, even this time next year, I'm sure there will be a, a physical break there. A couple of weeks, I would imagine. Just before we were going into, you know, realising how big Corona was worldwide, my my training was going okay, but it was definitely like, you know, trickling along. It wasn't, I wasn't showing any signs of Olympic status whatsoever. Then uh, when everything sort of got put into lockdown and I realised that I'd have to set up my own gym, that sort of stuff, I acted upon that quite quickly and managed to get quite a decent setup. So my gym setup is actually not that much worse from what, I mean, it doesn't look any better than Powerbase, but from what I'm managing to do, it's actually not too different to what I'm able to do in Powerbase. In terms of throwing, I used the rules to my advantage and could either drill in my garage or, or go outside and do our one bit of exercise and go and throw on pavement. And luckily we are allowed to use a rugby field. So it's pretty flat. So that was another thing like throwing on a hill is, you know, not going to be the best of things. So throwing on something relatively flat was brilliant. And then when it got officially um, postponed the Olympics, for me, that was a big mental break because I knew I was up against it anyway. And I felt really sorry for the people that are in phenomenal shape, but someone like Kirsty, who was showing all the signs of just stepping in the right direction and, and getting PBs and getting that Olympic standard versus someone like me that was like, oh, yeah, you're not going Olympics this year. That's, I, when that suddenly got delayed, I was like, thank God, I've now got a whole winter that I'm going to be able to put in my, in my bank and then be able to show that for all of next year. So I was in a completely different place to some of the athletes that were, you know, on the up. Um, and other athletes that had maybe come back from injury, I think I feel like I'm in their category. Like I was on the comeback, and now I've just got this extra time to, you know, build upon it. So, yeah, completely different, I think, for me and Kirsty mentally. But now I think we're in a pretty similar place. Like, you know, we're both yeah. training relatively well. We're in constant contact with what we're doing in the gym. Um, throwing, we can now obviously do together. So we've got an idea of either how far we're throwing or just how we look technically. So I think that's quite encouraging. When it all came to, yes, it's definitely postponed and we're in lockdown, our coach gave us, I think it was like six days break, which I needed because I was like in a, not in a great headspace. But then now I'm looking at it as if I've got another winter to get in even better shape. So mentally okay with it now. To be fair, I think I'd probably be the same as you. Like I hate change, especially yeah. if this has been something you've built, been building up to and like you're training so prescribed and you know what you've got coming each week to then have such a huge change. Like that, I'd struggle with that massively. Yeah, and like, and we're 33. We're not getting any younger. Oh, so some of us I'm, have only just turned 33. Can I reiterate that? I'm going to be 34 this year. So next year I'll be 35. And now everything else has been pushed back. 
So in 2022, we've got Europeans, World and Commonwealth Games. I'm going to be 36. I've got to, <laughs> so I was going to retire two years ago and now I'm carrying on till I'm 36. My Here, don't worry. Catherine Granger performed, had her like greatest performances when she See? was like 36, 38. What, and she's what? like the pinnacle. What about my rugby career? <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that the commies coming up in 2022 being quite a big year, but you've both had Commonwealth experience. Talk us through the highlights and possibly lowlights that, that came of that journey. Glasgow was my second Commonwealth Games and I, I had a brilliant time. The first one was Delhi and that was my first ever multi-sport experience. So that was phenomenal for me. And just the fact that they've, someone has just flown me to India, I was just like, what? This is so crazy. I'm not even in like, I don't know, somewhere near India of all places. Um, so that was amazing for me. Then to do Glasgow and just have the advantage. It wasn't a, a true home advantage, as Kirsty will 100% let you know. And all English people, yeah, we were aware we were in Scotland. Um, but they I think, you all, though. But yeah, you did get a cheer, but the, the, there was a special cheer for the Scots, which is understandable. And I like that. And it's still... It kind of boosts you again, I think. So, um, yeah, when I when I was in India and the chi- the Indian crowd were cheering on the Indian athletes, it was the loudest thing I've, I think I've ever heard. Um, so I knew that was going to be the case going into Scotland. Um, I actually don't think I took away a single bad thing. I was dreading the weather. And, of course, it was the tropics there. So that was brilliant. Um, and uh, and I, I topped off with a bronze medal with a season's best. So that was a, that was a great experience for me, that, that Commonwealth Games. So my first experience with a Commonwealth Games was Delhi also, but I didn't qualify. I qualified a week after qualification period had ended. So they didn't take me, so I didn't get to go. Then obviously Glasgow, the, literally the best experience of my life because I'm a massive football fan. Uh, I go and watch Scotland play at Hampden Park and for me to say I've actually played at Hampden Park, played thrown at Hampden Park, it was absolutely amazing. From uh, qualification, even I just picked up a discus and everyone was like going mental. 500 miles was playing. Uh, I did like that. I did appreciate that. Oh, it was amazing. We know how to throw a party, that's why. Oh, (laughs) So good. It's literally nothing I'll ever, nothing. I don't think anything I'll ever, ever top that experience. It was so loud. Um, when Ailey uh, Child Doyle now got her uh, silver medal, they were playing 500 miles and then a flower scholar. It was just amazing. Nothing, I don't think anything I'll ever top that. It was phenomenal. As a nation, we really bring that song out, don't we, for like oh. any opportunity. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant and everyone loves it. No, it never gets old. Well, no, even any country loves it. They all love it. Yeah, I agree with that. It's evident from like hearing you two chat, like how hard you both work, but you're not, am I right in thinking you guys aren't full-time athletes, you're also working alongside all this. And what is kind of like the, the funding landscape like with Frozen Britain at the minute? So I currently work for the NHS. I've worked there for the last three years. Before, I used to work for a care agency. So I used to pick and choose my own hours and work, uh, work my work around my training. But about three years ago, I got to the stage where I was like, I'm done, I'm retiring. So I was going to get a full-time job and earn some money. I started with the NHS. 
so training like pretty much part time and I qualified for the Europeans. So I thought if I if I actually trained full time, what could happen? So I spoke to my work who have been absolutely amazing with me. Uh, they give me all the time off I need. I work part time. It's like a kind of like a sponsorship thing they've got going with me. Uh, they let me go to the gym at work. And so, yeah, they're re- really good. I have to swap shifts last minute and they'll do all that. We try and train six days a week. I can't do that because obviously I've got to work and my, my shifts are 14 hours. So it is, it is tough, especially when I've got two days. The work, life, work, training balance. So I'm, I'm constantly tired having to um, merge the two. is can be quite tough. Good job, you're made of tough stuff, isn't it, Kirsty? Yeah, it is. I've forgotten the last bit of the question now. Uh, Just about like the what's the current situation with you guys aren't full time? Like, is that something that you foresee happening in the future? Or no, I don't think we'll ever get funding because we're this side of thirty. We're the we're chief. We're We're approaching that V, that big veteran V. It'd be interesting. So I posed the question to my coach this year. So I, I work, but I don't do monstrous shifts like Kirsty. I do um, personal training and coaching. So I sort of do a, a few hours here and a few hours there. So my days are a bit more broken up. So I'm able to fit training and work better. They, they blend better doing it that way around. With the sponsorship side of things or um, even being funding, funded by our, our governing body, I, I asked my coach if both me and Kirsty through the Olympic standards and with respect to everybody in this country, nobody is on our level, that we are the only two re- realistically going to go to Tokyo. Um, if we free the standards and we're almost guaranteed to go, so we only need to finish top two at our trials to guarantee automatic selection, we're going to assume we're going to do that because we've done that for the past however many years. I wondered if the governing body would say, actually, they're worth investing in. I actually don't think they would because, yeah, mm-hmm. because of our age. As soon as I reached 30, so I was 29 at Rio Olympics. When I reached 30, even Adidas that used to give me the occasional bit of kit said, sorry, we haven't got your size anymore. And I was like, well, that's a bloody lie, isn't it? Of course you have my size. You don't suddenly stop making size 16 and 18s. And it's not like you're out of stock because nobody's a 16 to 18. It's just me. And then they just stop replying to email. So, you know, when you reach 30, things become a lot, lot harder. We're going to be 34 next year it is going to be even harder. I think the only way we could possibly get funding from our governing body is if we meddled. I don't even think reaching the final, yeah. the Olympic final, off the back of us doing this ourselves and to be funding our own dreams with our own work and careers and trying to do the same thing that the full-time athletes are doing, I think that's an incredible feat and says a lot about our mental strength and our mental ability and just our ability to juggle life. I says that I think that says a lot more about us as individuals than somebody who's also made the final but is a full-time athlete and has got Adidas or Nike kit drops constantly. I think we are actually the ones that are worth investing because we have got we have got our heads screwed on to manage to do that and everything else. And we're probably still in our prime. I mean, yeah, I think we are. Late twenties or thirties prime. Yeah, I do think we're at the latter end of the typical prime but uh, we're in it and the fact that uh one of our competitors from france melina she's 40 40 or 41 this year going on yeah and uh she qualified for tokyo like massively like like not even just oh she's just qualified like she smashed it she's going to tokyo um and she was she won a bronze or a silver in rio last 
four years ago. So it's just like, that could be us. That, you know, if we'd got that, that mm. support or whatever, like that, that could be us. We could be doing that. But, you know, as I said, I don't think it's going to change. I think, and hopefully Kirsty agrees with this, it makes us tougher. Like, yes, yeah. I think there is strength being a bit bitter about things. But I think, I don't know, I've said this to a number of people. If you become, if you become too um, victimized, like you, you see yourself as the victim and you, you've got too you have a chip on your shoulder but it's too big and it becomes the driving force I think it becomes very toxic very quickly but I think if you can use yes we are throwers and we and we don't get things handed to us but I think if we can use that to drive us on and push us on I think it makes us stronger and we can use it positively rather than like squashing us I don't Mm. know if that makes sense yeah, yeah so no, can, it totally does. We can use it positively and, and, and yeah. you know, prove prove people and wrong. And job satisfaction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like get in there, get into the games and things, knowing that you've done X, Y, Z under such tricky circumstances would, like, taste even sweeter. Yeah. The earning of our, our spots will be so much greater than the people that are gifted literally everything. And to make it even better, our coach lives in Doha, so he is coaching us on an iPad at the back of the circle. Right, talk to us about this. When we've been trying to arrange these sessions and, and <laughs> we've said, oh, we're, we're meeting with so-and-so in Doha and things like that, Rona messages me and she's like, is one of them living in Doha at the moment? <laughs> I was like, I don't really know how it works. So talk to us about this. So, so I think everyone's now suddenly got a taste of what uh, Skyping sessions and Zooming sessions are like. That's us. <laughs> That's what we do on a regular doing, basis. Yeah, we've been doing that for when did he go? Year year ago. September a year September time ish, I think. Yeah, so he he's, he went a year ago. So yeah, we he he skypes it. He gives us times in the morning, so we have to be ready at that time. He'll watch us. We Skype. It's actually Facebook Messenger, and um, he'll watch us, and then uh, we'll put him at the back of the circle, and he'll. Uh, That's it. He's coaching us. There's there's yeah, occasional technical problems with jumping and freezing yeah. and Loughborough's Wi-Fi not being good enough to uh, yeah. hold the signal and, and those kind of things. So those little irritations that people are sort of suddenly starting to experience, that's, that's what our sessions are most of the time. Yeah. yeah. So what is it that, that makes you stick with coaches? Like athletics is, is run very differently to, to team sports. Like why is it then, so to the listeners that don't know much about throwing or perhaps individual sports, why is it that you've chosen to stick with a coach that is thousands of miles away? He's the best option. He, he's yeah. one of the best coaches in the country, even though he's not in the country. He's one of the best coaches that is British. And also he's, he's got a lot to give. So he's not one of those people that does things for ego. He's not, he's not going to go and have interviews with I don't know the BBC and voice his opinion about certain things. He's not that, he's not that type of person. He's quite happy to sit in the shadows and do his job and quietly be satisfied about it. So I like that. There's, there's not an ego there. And also I'm very good at offending people frequently by accident um, so that narrowed my choices down. <laughs> so someone I can talk to and give feedback on who's not going to then hate me or slap me off on social media was, uh, was quite important. Um, but I mean, this goes to, this says how much I view and value his thoughts and his coaching. I left my coach who I was with for 15 years and um, who literally took me from the first club that I've ever been to, to, well, I went to the Olympics under him. I left him 
to go to Zane, who's, I mean, a child. I don't know, even know how old. How old is Zane? Like 27? 28. Just, 28. just turned 28. He's, he's also an athlete himself, so he gets it. He gets what we're going through and he gets everything that's going on. So that's another uh, bonus. I mean, he, he got me back because I was going to retire, like I said earlier. And I started just throwing with Zane. And that was it. He got he brought me back up. I wouldn't want to be with anyone else. I'd met, I wish I'd met him earlier, although he'd be young, but... <laughs> Even a 13-year-old boy saying, can yeah. you coach me, please? I want the Olympics one now. day. <laughs> He'd probably still be the best coach. Yeah, Britain. I know. Yeah. <laughs> if I could go back any earlier, I would I would have left him, I would have left my old coach for him uh, before Gold Coast. Because I believe I, with the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games, I was in a horrible way. But I was I was in a good place. And then about four weeks before I was due to compete, I started getting worse and worse and worse. And Zane was out there and I knew he was coaching and I wish I'd made the jump before that because I do think I, I would have got a bronze medal. I don't think a silver, but I think I would have got a bronze medal that games. And that would have been solely down to him. That's how much yeah. I think he can impact an athlete's life. Yeah, Is that just because like the, the coaching, it's almost got like stale from a sense? Like you, you've had... 15 years was a bit too long and you did new ideas is that um, the kind of influence that Zane has from my coach I think I we outgrew each other I think so obviously going from club level to international level usually the coach knows more and then you kind of grow together and you get more experience and and you both move forward I think in my case I was sort of knocking on the door of 60 meters which is quite a, a milestone throw in discus and I was sitting there for five years before I then broke through the barrier again and, and through the English record. And that was due to me having coaching by a guy that was in Australia who coaches the two-time Commonwealth champion and former world champion, uh, Danny Stevens. So having, having seen the way that he works with his athlete and then looked at the way that my old coach worked with me I knew there was something missing and then when I was looking at the way Zane was working with others I felt like he had he was bridging that gap more than where I was with my old coach. My uh, coaching has been different to Jade's she was with the same coach for 15 years I've been with about five maybe six. She's been around the block and that's (laughs) saying something. Oh tell us more. Kirsty gets about everybody knows everybody knows Kirsty's name. Um, yeah, I've been with about five or six coaches. Because I came from the north of Scotland, it's very limited up there. My first coach, Kami, uh, he went, he retired. So I had to find a new coach and there was there was nobody else there. So I moved to Glasgow and then that's when I went with my next coach, Hugh. Um, but I think we kind of drifted apart. So I was with him for maybe three or four years and we kind of drifted. And then that's when I made the move down to England. Um, Go on, hey, Glenn. Hey, Glenn. You're, you're outnumbered here. There's three yeah. of us. I'm dying to see you on your own. <laughs> do it by myself. Um, yeah, so I moved to England. Um, went with a couple of coaches that I didn't see eye to eye with. So we went our separate ways um, for the very best. And then I ended up going to America with uh, uh, one of my old training partners, Dan Greaves. And we trained with John Godina, but I think that was the oh, Olympic champion John Godina. I've got, I've got to do it. Like, got to go. I'm glad I did it. It wasn't right for me though. Started working with Zane after that, and 
the best move I ever made. Been with the yeah. old ones. Yeah. You've been with the, the foreigners and now you've gone to the <laughs> best best of British. Best of British young pup. Yeah. Yeah. I made a lot of mistakes in my uh, early life with coaches I went to and I regret massively because I think it's held me up. But now I'm definitely in a good place. I think that demonstrates that the best coach for you, it's not necessarily the person with the most experience or who's been in the game the longer. Like you guys have found somebody that's not as experienced, but it's been absolutely brilliant. I don't actually think Zane's experienced what we've experienced as athletes. And, and yet we put so much faith into him that he's never been to an Olympic Games himself. But I, I and Kirsty have completely trusted his, his skill set yeah. and his knowledge to get us to a Kirsty's first Olympic Games and my second. And even him, he's trying to get to the Olympic Games. So yeah. it's an interesting concept good. that our coach is also hard. trying to go to the Olympics. That would be a super cute selfie that the three of you could get at Tokyo yeah. if it goes ahead. Yeah, and he doesn't like his picture being taken, so... So we force it. Yeah, we do. <laughs> he has no choice. No. You're younger than us, you will do as we say. <laughs> so our next question, I get, it's... What's well, about being a mum? So I guess it's one for Jade. Um, yeah, I'll, how, I'll sit quiet on this. <laughs> um, yeah, how did you adapt to like doing all the training you were doing before, but coming back to after having a baby and juggling that alongside having to raise a kid? Like, how does that all work? Uh, I learned quite quickly to have very, very low expectations. Um, that has helped um, because when. I think when I found out I was pregnant, I wasn't mentally on board with it. In fact, I think everyone will tell you I was not on board with it, including Kirsty. Shakes her head. Um, <laughs> and I can only describe it, it as like having an injury that gets progressively worse for nine months. Um, it, it's, the only, it's the only thing I can relate it to. There is nothing. I think, especially if you weren't ready for it and you still want to be active and good in your career, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's literally the only comparison. So after those nine months of absolute joy, it's not joyous, just let you know that, um, <laughs> it, gets, uh, it gets even worse because then you've got to push the thing out and you don't know how that's going to be. You might be ripped to shreds. You might be cut. You might have a sunroof operation. Like You just don't know what's going to happen. So luckily, she did come out vaginally. You can use that word. Vaginally. <laughs> I'll leave that in. She came out the way she was made in. And uh, she, uh, yeah, she, she was born healthy and, and I was happy that the whole ordeal was over, to be frank. Um, and then training, I was really conscious because of the timeline for Tokyo. I didn't want to rush it back because I knew if I rushed it, then something bad happens. Then I'd have to take a step back and then I would literally see the days pass getting closer and closer to Tokyo and I'm sitting there trying to rehab something that I knew I shouldn't have pushed in the first place so I was super conscious of that uh, and luckily nothing ever happened that that made me take any backward steps um, I think I just it was just kind of accepting that it has to be slow and it has to be steady and accepting that my fate is kind of in Zane's hands like he had to guide me through not that he's had a baby or he has any children so he doesn't know what he's doing either but I just accepted that we were both not going to know what we we're doing and we're just going to give it a go and hope for the best and then corona came and helped us all out <laughs> because it gave us a bit of extra time to get things sorted so I don't know if I actually would have been ready this year I still would have given it everything I've everything I had and everything I've got but I, 
I think it would have been quite close. I don't think, um, I certainly wouldn't have got the automatic. And if I didn't get the automatic, so every time in my career so far, if I haven't had an automatic selection, I haven't gone. So I think that's what I would have been left with, which would have been gutting, but you know, I, I would have known that I've done my best. And, um, and now we're looking at obviously next year, my partner is Australian. So now we're literally going through, um, every day sending immigration letters and, and whatever, because I need to go and move to Australia because he's in the Australian army. Um, so he needs to get back and defend the shores and uh, I need to still try to go to the Olympics whilst having Nyla. So yeah, we're, everything's going to be rescheduled. <laughs> we're all going back to Australia. I'm going to continue with my Zoom in, Skyping, Facebook in sessions <laughs> with uh, Zane. At midnight. Um, at midnight, because the time difference is going to be absolutely horrendous. Um, so that'll be that. And uh, that, that'll be a whole new juggling act. Because at the moment, he's not working. He's able to look after neither when I go go training and go to our little bit of pavement. Or even when I just leave the house, go into the garage. Um, just to watch our child for a couple of hours is, is a huge benefit to me. When he's working and I've still got stuff to do, uh, that's going to be where it gets harder. So we will either have to get someone he's got a lot of family over there so we have to get them to watch her or maybe pay for someone to watch her or I've accepted that maybe I'll do a lot of my lifting sessions early like as in when they're both in bed so I'll probably start around five maybe 4 30 so to be done by six ish so that's when he gets ready to go to work and then I'll have Nyla and then um in the afternoon or evening see how that goes if I can put her in daycare or something like that then I hopefully will be able to do my sessions with Zane and uh, hopefully still be a, a relatively good discus thrower. But we'll see. I'll cross that bridge when I come to it, but that's that's my life outlook at the moment. You guys are going to be separated. I know, I'm I devastated. Know. I am looking at going out, though. I am going to go out yeah. um, January, February time for hopefully a good six weeks, but that's we'll, we'll see if we in. can uh, spread your name around the Australian men, I mean coaches. <laughs> I'm settled. I don't. I don't need to look elsewhere. I'm good. Now. <laughs> I've I've got a question. Going back to to the given birth. Oh yeah. So go on. as athletes, <laughs> you obviously have like lots of injuries, and like I feel like we probably got like fairly good pain tolerances. Mm, mm. On a scale of like your sorest injury and given birth, like where where is it? Where are we going? Have you ever had kidney stones or any organ failure of any sort? Or have you no. known anyone that's had any kidney stones? All right, I I've had kidney stones three times and it's the most crippling situation I've ever been in. Like you can't talk, you're rolling around on the floor. I was rolling next to a drain. And when I looked after, I looked at that drain after the, the pain had passed, I was like, that's disgusting. Why was I rolling around on that? But I didn't have a choice at the time. <laughs> I was pregnant and had kidney stones again. And people thought I was going into labour. And they were like, you can do it. Just breathe through it. I was like, oh! And it was bloody kidney stones. Childbirth is even worse. Oh, only, no. And I think it's worse. Well, it is. I mean, it is bad. I, I can't tell you how bad it is. Only that, you know, you're obviously supposed to push at some point and get the bloody thing out. Well, I wasn't. I was holding her in because I couldn't do anything. And even when the, uh, the epidural man came round... I can only really, I can't really demonstrate the position. Okay, so picture being on all fours. Bum's obviously out. So is the front bum. Um, the guy comes in. He says, hello, Jade. Oh, oh, oh. And I was like, come in, come in. 
So it's just looking at my actual bum hole because that's all that I could do at that time. I couldn't even, I couldn't even turn around and show him a bit of face. You just had to look at that. And I was like, come in. And he was like, I hear you want an epidural. I was like, yes, please. You do the epidural. It failed, I think, three times. He said, oh, we've hit a vessel. It's very unusual. It's very unlikely, but we have hit one. I was like, of course, we have. Try again. So we did. And I was like, well, I can, I can feel things. I was like, oh, you can feel this. Oh, we need... She's paused. No, she can't pause right now. I guess we'll never know. Can it's normal? You're back. You left us on such a suspenseful moment. How much did you miss? How much? Um, second you just had your bum out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the hoop. The hoop was out talking. Uh, yeah, well, he came in and, uh, yeah, it, it took him three attempts. Three times he hit blood vessels, so blood was pouring out of the, the little tube that, that was supposed to have the epidural stuff going in. I had blood coming out. Uh, that happened three times, and uh, he was talking to me, and I was giving him feedback on what I could feel him doing. And he was like, oh, you can feel this? I was like, uh, yeah, should I not be feeling this at this point? He was like, no. So we had to top it up again. Um, and then, of course, I could manage conversation and uh, everything else. So the, the pain before then was horrendous, but the drugs luckily helped. And that was, that was what got me through it. Even though I couldn't feel it anymore, and I, couldn't, I didn't know what I was doing because the pushing wasn't helping the first time around. It got better. So, yeah, it's the worst pain you've ever had. Worse than that. You've just got the option of drugs. That's how you get through it. Don't know why I asked. I, th- I was expecting you to be like, that yeah, make you want kids? Yeah. <laughs> That's after the nine months of joy. <laughs> what, of the progressively worst yeah. injuries you've ever experienced? The worst. And your body getting worse and stretch marks appearing. And you can't even walk fast anymore because your tendons and your adductors feel like they're going to snap and break your pelvis in two. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for number two. So we've got one more question, last one of, of the episode. And it is, have you got any lockdown tips for the listeners? So my tips are, everybody's in the same situation right now. So I think this is the most fair sport has ever been. So all of your competitors are dealing with the same thing. All you need to do is be better prepared or better organized than them. You will come out of this better. So that's how I'm taking it. All my competitors that, competitors that can't go out throwing or aren't disciplined enough to go out and do their drills or do their lifting, even if they've got the best equipment sitting in their garage or their garden, it is down to willpower now. So if you have got more willpower than your competitors, you will come out of this flying. And both me and Kirsty are working our absolute bums off. So we come out and we know that we are making positive steps and big steps towards those Olympic Games. So all it is right now is willpower. The rest is completely equal. That was good. Does that make sense? Loads of sense. That was a a very, very good tip. And also, um, if anyone is uh, lower and talk to people, there's people out there that you can talk to do Zoom, Zoom chats and, yeah, go out for, use your daily exercise, although you can go out for more than one hour exercise now, use it, go out for walks, get some fresh air. Yeah, just be mentally strong. They're good tips. Ones that we haven't heard yet either. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's so good. And I think that's 
everything from us. I don't know what to keep in and leave out of this episode because so much has happened. I would like you to keep in the word vaginal. <laughs> I promise to do that. Thanks, appreciate it. Thank you so much, guys. That was really appreciated. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, Bye guys. Cause we are doctors, lawyers, mothers, footballers, first minister, boat laureate, we're on the move and I'm telling you, the glass ceiling's going, we're coming through, rise up, eyes up, take the stage, play your game, don't be afraid, you're a work of art, or Jones of art, always be proud.